The song service was wonderful. The songs go with what we're talking about today so well. We're talking about fighting under the banner. We sang victory in Jesus, right? We sang, I want to see you. I mean, it's talked about being on the hill looking into the valley and the grace that God bestows through amazing grace. What a wonderful, you'll see that as we go. Today I want us to begin to look at some of the things that transpired here in Exodus chapter 17. We'll gain some lessons from that and I'll not spend a lot of time in introduction for I I have a lot to give you today. I'll try to stay on track. Maybe we'll be through before time to go. Exodus chapter 17 beginning in verse 8. We'll read through 16. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. Joshua did as Moses had said to him, and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill, and it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat there on. And Aaron and her stayed up his hands, the one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of a sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. As we look today, we want to see... Uh, we want to understand what's going on here, why things are happening, and, and what, what the context is. And then we want to gain some of those spiritual truths that we use for ourselves in our present walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. For that's what all of Scripture is. All of Scripture are those things revealed by God, brought to through historical to where we are now, for us to understand the plan of salvation, the plan of God, and how it affects us in application and in and in the prosecution of giving God's plan, but more than that, the gospel, the good news to other folks. And that's where we're talking about today. We want to look at first at the articles and the participants of this event and try to get a handle on what's going on here. If you look at the verses before this, they're out in the desert and they're without water. In a sense... They're fixing to die. God, through Moses, strikes the rock. Water is given. The people are saved. So now we know the people are saved. Now there's a battle about to ensue. And, and that's what I want to talk to you about. Most of you here know the Lord Jesus Christ. Most of you have gone and drank from the living water of the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. But now there's a battle that's about to be 
taken, undertaken in your lives and in, in Christendom. And then we're going to look at this through the eyes here of the Israelites. The first thing that I want you to understand is who is, who is Amalek. Amalek is a really a descendant of Abraham through Esau. His son Eliphaz had a son with a concubine named Amalek. So Esau cared nothing of God. He, got, he sold his birthright, of course, to Jacob, who later became Israel, the father of the Israelites. So in a sense here, we have some cousins going against each other, if you will. But this is years and years and years after all that took place. For now, the, the Israelites have been in Egypt 400 years, and they're coming out of Egypt, saved from bondage, and now this is one of the first things that God is asking them to do. Amalek is this grandson. You have there in your bulletin a map. You can see where the Negev is. That's where this takes place. If you're looking in your bulletin, it's kind of down here. As they came out of Egypt, you see this in the wilderness down here. This is where what's happening is taking place. So they're headed up toward the promised land. And the... Folks of Amalek come and they attack. Now, I want you to understand the insidiousness and the despicableness of this group of people. I want you to understand, look at Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 17. says, Remember what Amalek did unto thee by the way when you were come forth out of Egypt. Y'all remember this, he's saying. How he met thee by the way and smote the hindmost of thee, even all that were feeble behind, when thou was faint and weary, and he feared not God. You know what they did? All these Israelites were traveling and along came the Amalekites, the, the people of Amalek. They didn't face them head on. You know what they did? They caught them from behind where the children and the women and the disabled and the weak and the elderly, and they killed them and they took their belongings. Despicable. But I want to say you're in a battle today with folks who are just as insidious and just as despicable. And it is a spiritual battle that we are in. We'll look at that. The second person we see here are the, the, the group is Israel. Of course, we know they're on their journey. And the Amalek, the, Amalek, the Amalekite people are, are attacking them. Also in this event is Moses, Aaron, and her. We know Moses is the leader. You know, Aaron is the brother of Moses. He was a, a mouthpiece to help Moses that God sent along. Moses was insistent. I just, I'm not a good speaker, God. Okay, I'll send you brother Aaron. Her, many people believe, maybe was a brother-in-law to Moses. Don't know that for sure. But it really doesn't matter who he was. What matters is the part he played. Moses told Joshua, by the way, 
our next participant. This is the first time you see a mention of Joshua in Scripture. Joshua is told, okay, Joshua, you go gather up great men of war and go and fight the Amalekites. Now, wait a minute. Up to this point, Israel had never had a war. They never had a fight. They didn't have men of war. They didn't have any of that. These were brick makers and, and crop farmers and slaves in Egypt. They didn't have any ability to fight. It's not what they were. They were slaves. So here they are. Now they're saying, okay, God said, I fought for you before. I defeated the armies of Egypt. I did that. I parted the waters. You went through on dry ground. When the Egyptian army followed you, I killed the army. I did that. Now, now that you're saved, now you go fight. You go get some men and you fight the Amalekites. This is the first time God's asked them to fight. That's what they're doing as we go through here. Joshua, he gathers up the men and he goes. Now, we understood that Moses here is he's about 80 years old. They they start this early in the morning and they're going to be fighting all day into the night. And they notice when when Moses holds the staff above his head, you know what's up? His hands. His hands are up. When that's happening, they're winning. If you're over or around 80 today, how long could you do this? I mean, don't put anything in your hands. Just do this, right? One hour, two hours, three hours, eight hours, ten hours. You understand what we're doing here? So that, they can see that wasn't happening. So Aaron and her, they come and they stay his hands. They set him on a rock and they hold his hands up. Very important. The last thing that I want you to look at here is what we're talking about as we look is the articles. What, what was used in this? Well, first was the rod. Let's look at the rod. What was this rod? Did this rod, did this staff, did it have power? I mean, we see on the movies, man, there's a lot of things that have power, right? You're, if you're Gandalf and you have this staff, boy, you're doing all kinds of stuff, right? Now, I didn't watch Harry Potter. I hope you didn't either. But everybody knows he had a little wand and he could do magic. There's magic in this stick. Well, is there magic in the stick of Moses? No. Well, then what is this rod? It's a stick. That's what it is. It's a stick. And it's what Moses used to walk up the mountain when he saw the burning bush. He no doubt used it, too, as a staff for the sheep, for that's what he did. And it was just something he used on a daily basis. You look back in Exodus chapter 4, I want you to see what God says about it. Exodus chapter 4, verse 2. And the Lord said, and this is where Moses, he answered, verse 1, And behold, but they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What's that in thy hand? And he said, It's a rod. It's a stick. It's a limb. And he said, Cast it on the ground. He cast it on the ground. It became a serpent. 
and Moses fled from before it. There's no power in the stick. The power's in God. All right? Let's remember that. Then we go on in Exodus chapter 17 and verse 5. The Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people and take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod. This is Moses' rod. It's Moses' stick. Take with you your stick, Moses. It's what he touched the rock, struck the rock, held over the Red Sea, all those things, right? Take your stick with you, Moses. Wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thine hand and go. God called it the rod of Moses. But as we look on down at our, what we read earlier, we understand that Moses called it the rod of God. You see, God honored Moses by calling it the rod of Moses. Moses honored God by calling it the rod of God. Don't concentrate on the stick, right? Concentrate that Moses knew where the power came from. That's what we needed to know. Second thing I want you to understand, now there's some articles of warfare that the Israelites had to have to pursue what God asked them to do. There had to be some swords, some spears, some bows, some arrows, some slings, or whatever they used in this war. They had to have those. They had to have some tools to do what God had asked them to do. Third thing you see is God asked Moses to write it in a book. There had to be a book. To remember, and I want you to read this to Joshua over and over. So it'll be in his head, it'll be in his mind. He'll remember the insidious nature of the Amalekites, what they did to the innocent, the infirmed. You remember that because Joshua's going to become the military leader of Israel. To this day, I hear that a lot of those things that Joshua did in pursuing Military campaigns is studied to this day by military. Then you carry on. You also, there's an altar. Once the victory was won, there was an altar built and it was given a name, Jehovah Nisi, which is the Lord my banner. How many of you, when you go out to do battle, how many of you went out to do battle, some of you military, you were under a flag, were you not? And that's who you fought under. That's who the authority that you had submitted to and has sent you into battle, that is the flag or the banner that you fought under. Moses said, Jesus is our banner. Jehovah is our banner. I say to you today, if you're a Christian and you are fighting for the Lord Jesus Christ, then your banner is Jesus Christ. It's what you lift up that everybody should see as you contend for the faith. Jesus Christ is our banner. And last but not least, I would say to you that one of the articles that is of utmost importance is the rock that Aaron and Hur set Moses on. He wasn't going to be able to stand up for all that time, was he not? So what do they do? 
They move a firm foundation for him to sit upon. What is Jesus in Scripture? He's the rock. In this passage, you see that they begin to talk about verse 14, and the Lord said unto Moses, first time he said it, Moses, you write this down. And the Lord, right? Because now you're introduced to the Lord, the Messiah, who is pursuing salvation. Here it's of the Israelites. But it's a picture of what he's doing for you. Build your house up on the rock. For when the storm comes, you'll not fall flat. And you begin to see here that this rock is of utmost importance. Are you seeing all, all this come together now? I hope you are. I hope you, you're understanding some of this. When we talk about being and doing and participating in the Lord Jesus Christ's being in his in the Lord's army. Y'all sang that song? I'm in the Lord's army. Right? Who didn't sing that? I got a little after church lesson I'm going to give you, right? I might not fly in the infantry, march in the army. I might not do any of that, but I am in the Lord's army and you are too. You're in the Lord's army. You're to contend for the faith. You're to be doing what, what Moses, through God, asked Joshua to do. Now, Joshua had to go get some other people, did he not? He didn't go down there and fight them by himself. If you just do 400 years, 2 to the 22nd power, why 22nd power, 400 years, I figure by 20 years old, these folks are probably... Heaven, baby. So two, 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 twenty. That's twenty-two times. You come up with about four million two hundred thousand people out of two people. So this, this was a big group of folks, right? Not real nice. So we had some understanding here that this was a group of folks. Now let me say this: they attacked the children. They attacked the women. They attacked the elderly, and they tried to take their possessions from them to leave them destitute, which in the end is death. Okay? That's pretty insidious. Do you guys know that we are in a spiritual battle in this day and age that emanates from our own government, used by our own tax dollars, by the elected officials but more by bureaucrats who are unelected. They seek to, in school, attack the children from behind out of view. They attack the elderly. If you go up north of us to Canada, and you've been reading this, I'm not telling you something that most people have seen or know, but their health care system says if you're elderly and you're diagnosed with a terminal long-term illness, they suggest to you, you kill yourself. Now, I'm not telling you something you can't go and look up for yourself. If you don't think that's not coming here, you're not understanding what's going on, okay? Disabled. Same, same one. 
Our insurances, our medical costs are so high. We don't want to pay for all this. Although, we'll pay for folks who didn't pay anything in. Now, I don't want to get into the politics of this. Do you understand, though, what we're saying is the insidiousness of what's going on in our society, I think, would, would really take us aback if we understood where it comes from. It comes from satanic, demonic, worldly evil. That's where it comes from. It stems from that. And then it has these folks who, who really believe that what they're doing is right, and they begin to become soldiers for that ideology. Now, this is what I want to say to y'all. We have to come to a point in our life where we know I'm a child of God. I know I'm saved. I know I have assurance that were something to happen to me, my eternity is in heaven. I know that on Sunday I'm going to be in the Lord's house worshiping. I know that when someone says you shouldn't be talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to have to say, ought I not rather obey God rather than man? And we have to begin to know that I've won the battle of being saved, and now I can begin to fight the battle for other people. And that's what's going on here, fighting the battle for other people. So I ask you then, what is the ultimate spiritual subject that we're talking about today. For many, Amalek represents sinfulness. And this is kind of accepted over the years. Amalek, who had disavowed God long ago, pursued ungodliness, wickedness, like we do sin. And it was a constant problem for Israel all through their existence, as sin is for you and I. You see, Amalek, they attacked here, but when Saul became king, Saul had to go fight Agag. You know what Agag was? He was an Amalekite. And then later on, Saul, because he didn't wipe them out, as God said, David had to go fight the Amalekites. If you know anything about Esther, the book of Esther, and, and Haman, you know, he was a descendant of the of Agag. So you begin to understand all these things all through Israel's history, and it represents sin in our lives. Okay, I, I see that's true. But you know what sin is for us? That's an inner battle. We have to battle that inside. That's with the Spirit. That's with our sanctification and the process of that. Let me give you a little bit different take on this, that, that as I was studying, uh, there's a gentleman named Cole was writing. I, this touched my heart. What we're talking about really here is prayer. When Moses was on the hill and his hands were up, this was the posture of prayer in this culture. When Moses lifted his hands in prayer, the people won. And when Moses took his hands down, the Amalekites prevailed. 
when Moses gave the victory to God and all the people could see that depending on God, praying to God, worshiping God, when all they could see that God was getting the victory, not Moses. So why then did we have to hold up the rod? Why should you hold up things in prayer? Doesn't God know what we need? Absolutely He knows what you need. Absolutely He knew that God could give the victory. But you know who didn't know they was going to be victory, victorious? The Israelites. Moses, Aaron, and her. Do you agree with me? God says that when I execute this, when I am your dependent, when I am your banner, you win the victory. When you cease to pray, You've taken from me the glory of the victory and you've said to yourself, I don't really need God. I can uphold this battle on my own. By praying, we know that we are in the will of God. We're giving God the glory and the honor. We're seeking His will in this situation. And when He gives the victory, He gets the glory. And that's what we're talking about today. And these enemies of Israel, they're external. I've already won the battle of sin. Now, do I sin? Yes. But, but to confess and to repent, and God is faithful to forgive, because Christ has paid the price. I don't have to fight that battle anymore. I just have to live in the Lord Jesus Christ and walk in the Lord Jesus Christ and have that relationship with Him and show Him how much I depend on Him. That's not a battle. That's a joy. Let me tell you when the battle comes in. When a person walks in that door and they say, Pastor, I have a problem. Pastor, this has transpired into my life. What do you think I ought to do? Then I'm beginning to fight the battle with that person. If I can't win my own battle, how am I going to help that person fight their battle? I have to be squared away with the tools of God has given me in order to fight the battle as, as they did against the Amalekites. I have to have the tools to fight Satan the world, the demonic spiritual activities that go on. We don't talk about that a lot, and it don't bother me any. You know why? He that's in me is greater than he's in the world. I don't walk around afraid of that. All I know is God has defeated it, and I'm walking with the Lord Jesus Christ who's already won that battle. I don't have to worry about it. What I'm trying to do is get... Those folk from that side to this side. I'm trying to help win that battle. That's what we're talking about today. Seeking to destroy these children with unfriendly institutions. That's what we're doing. They're attacking. We've got to stand for truth. God made them male and female. They don't even believe that. You've seen it. Define a woman. I can't. Why not? It's in Scripture. 
You begin to understand how insidious these things are. Moses and Aaron, they represented the prayer. And if you and I do not bow in prayer before we do anything, we're going to lose. We're going to lose the battle. Because you can't win the battle against powers and principalities in high places. You can't do it. You cannot win in your own power. And that's what we're seeing here in Moses and the Israelites. You, they couldn't win in their own power. It took Christ. It took prayer. It took the victory being won by Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 6, if you would turn over there, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's who you're fighting against. But that's not new, church. It was true when Christ went into the ministry and he was driven into the desert. He was tempted by Satan. And it's been true for everyone who has followed Jesus Christ from that moment on and even before. Even here in Exodus. We're in a battle. We're in a battle for your mind. If you're old enough to understand this, and I don't see anyone here who is not, every day your mind is in a battlefield through the information that's given to you. Let me tell you, Snapchat, I wasn't going to go into this, but I just got to. Snapchat has an app. It's an AI app. You can begin to get an account at 13. This is an AI app that says to your children, if they go on and ask any question, it automatically goes to gender discussion. And you know which way it goes. It does not go the biblical route. And Every time that phone is opened, it pops up. And you cannot get rid of it without paying a subscription and deleting that after you get it. As I read. I'm not, I don't know. I'm just telling you what I read. Do you understand, though, the invasiveness of that? That's what I'm talking about. You, your kids don't have to leave to go to school. It, it's through that little device. The, in, the insidiousness of it, don't underestimate. It's there. So, be under the banner that ensures victory. Psalms 64. You have given a banner to those who fear you that it may be displayed because of the truth. When you display Jesus Christ, you're displaying the truth. Isaiah 11:10. And in that day... There shall be a root of Jesse who shall stand as a banner to the people, for the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be 
glorious. He's our banner. He's whom we fight under. He's whom we pursue the, the work of the Lord under. But I say to you today, you're going to go into battle. You better be proficient in using the tools that the Lord Jesus Christ has battled, has provided for you to fight with. Going down, verse 13, Wherefore, take upon you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. You go on down there and you begin to look at all these things. First, the truth. How easy is it for people to believe lies? Now, I, I think you believe what you want to believe. If you want to believe a lie, you can convince yourself it's true. And plenty, plenty, plenty people are going down that road. But if you want to know the truth, and you pray for the Lord to reveal that to you, and you ask the Holy Spirit to give you truth, He'll bring you to that understanding. And that's the only place you're going to find it. Nowhere else. And then He asks to have on the righteousness of the breastplate. You know why the breastplate of righteousness? It covers your heart. The seat of all that you are, feelings, emotions, values, beliefs, kindnesses, and not-so-kindness comes out of the heart. And it better be covered by righteousness if you're going to fight the battle. Otherwise, you're doing it for the wrong motivation, for the wrong reason, and you're apt to fall. The gospel of peace is to be shod on your feet. Look, when you go, when you go to fight the battle, you don't go there as a conquering warrior. How do you go? As a suffering servant. For that's how Jesus came and won the battle for your soul, as the suffering servant. Kindness. You heard, kill him with kindness. That's kind of what we're talking about here. The gospel of peace. As you go, faith as a shield against the fiery darts. In our prayer meeting this week, I asked our men uh, as seriously as I could, what do you all think about UFOs? Let me tell you, this is serious. You know why? Because the authority of the United States Congress is behind this, and they are there, and they are there are witnesses giving testimony, very credible, by the way. I don't know what these pilots saw, but it's very credible. And I've had folks say, Pastor, what do you think about that? What do you think about that? Does your, is your faith shaken because the world sees something? They believe what they want to believe. Do you believe in Sasquatch? I mean, people believe it. I'm t what I'm saying is your faith better be settled. You better know where you stand. And having done all, stand. That's what we're talking about. The helmet and the sword of salvation. The helmet, that's the knowledge of God. Do you have the knowledge of the Word of God to know the truth from a lie? Very subtle, 
Don't think, oh, I can do that. It's very subtle. You better know the Word. Because very subtly you can be led astray. The sword is the Word. It divides. It cuts. And that's what you have as a, as a tool to defend yourself, but to also defend others. If I ask you this question, why do you not defend abortion? It's wrong. Okay. Why is it wrong? You see where we're going? Well, the Word says God is life. And life is His to give and take. And you go into this. Jeremiah, I knew you right in your mother's womb. I knit you together. And people have an inherent worth because they're created in the image of God. And it goes on and on and on. Can you articulate that and defend by the Word, the sword of God? Then lastly, as you look back here in, in Ephesians chapter 6, And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In verse 18, it says this. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. You can have all those other things. Just like the Israelite army had. They had everything they needed. But when they failed in prayer of Moses, they began to lose. But when they offered it to God first, they won the victory. And I say to you today, praying is of utmost importance in anything you're going to do in your life. You pray... And you say, God, thank you for saving my soul. I know that's taken care of. Praise your holy name. Adoration, right? Then you say, Lord, what would you have me to do in pursuing your work and your word taken to the world? He'll show you. And when that is shown you, then you can be successful according to biblical standards in what God has asked you to do. I hope you see these as we went through this. I worry about your children. (laughs) I worry about my grandchildren. I worry about the things that are down the road for them. And I was going to really, really, really encourage you to be here this evening because in chapter 3 of Philippians, Paul takes on a whole new aura from the dead in chapters 1 and 2. So I'll encourage you to be here next Sunday for that, but I want to encourage you to be here tonight. You know why? To sing praises to the Lord Jesus Christ who saved your soul. And I hope you can come and sing for that purpose. If you can't, 
If you don't know that if you died and you go straight to heaven, if that's not a part of your assurance, then today is the day. Isaiah says today is the acceptable day of salvation because you might not have tomorrow. The Lord has been patient and long-suffering concerning his promises. He's going to come back, and one day that will be the end of it. No more opportunity. Will that be tomorrow? From what I see all over the world, man, could be. I'm not setting a date. You can, you can discern the skies. You ought to be able to discern the times, the Scripture says. You need Christ as your saviors today's day. But here's what I want to say. Here's where I'm going with this. If you are saved, there's a battle to be fought. Will you enter the battle? Joshua could have said, no, Lord. You studied in in." Sunday school, Gideon, what did he say? <laughs> I'm going to put this fleece out here. I ain't sure this is what I really need to be doing. Make it wet whenever it's dry. Make it dry whenever it's wet. And God did it, right? You think God wants you in the battle? You think God's got something for you today that you need to step up and begin to do? It don't matter how little it is. How big a thing was it to earth stand on this side and Aaron stand on that side and just hold up the stick? Maybe you just need to be a prayer warrior and pray for for folks who are in the battle, right? That might be what you need to do. Whatever it is, whatever's on your heart today, our musicians are going to come, and I want you to respond what the Holy Spirit is convicting your heart to do. And I hope you know without a doubt what what the Lord asked me to do, that's not a question. That's what I'm going to do. That's settled. And then after settling that, Now, what does the Lord want me to do? Whatever that is, would you stand?